0: Live from the Winthrop House, you're now listening to the Safe Negro Podcast Show.
1: to the Safe Negro Podcast, the blackest review podcast for HBO's Lovecraft Country. It is your girl, Tatiana King-Jones, one of the blackest podcast hosts, along with several other very black podcast hosts. The... <laughs> several other... <laughs> I had to say it, y'all. Uh, the first, though, is my podcast partner from For All Nerds. He is...
0: DJ Ben Amin, a.k.a. Atticus Prime here on the Safe Negro podcast show.
1: Excellent, excellent. And we're also joined by our podcast host from Castle Black. She is?
2: Portia Patterson-Hurst, a.k.a. I do not go
1: to observatories. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure everybody will get that in a little bit. Um, Thank you all for joining us. Really happy that everyone is here, that you had a chance to see the very first episode of HBO's Lovecraft Country. We've been talking about this show and this the series and really the book for many, many years. So we're really excited to finally be able to talk to you all about uh, this Misha Green helmed project. As usual, we're going to give you our takes, our observations and our thoughts behind this show. And we're going to make sure that we uh, have a lot of fun with it as well. So, so hope you're tuned in. Hope you are... Ready, because we're not holding back. That's what we do. Uh, The first episode that we're talking about is Sundown, which is season one, episode one of Lovecraft Country, uh, written by Misha Green, Jonathan Kidd, Jordan Peele, Sonia, Winton, and based on the novel by Matt Ruff. So we're first getting into the show. First of all, let's talk about the freaking intro of this show.
3: Mm. This... Mm.
1: When I said, and I said this before on on the For All Nerds podcast, I have never seen a show since Watchmen, which is not that long ago, but since Watchmen that has grabbed me by by the the collar of my shirt and told me, you need to listen to me and watch me. The way that this show started is in a dream sequence.
0: Mm -hmm. And it starts off in a dream sequence in black and white, which was ill. And you're in the middle of what is, I do believe, the Korean War. And from there, it quickly switches over. It switches into color very quickly. Once you see that it's not just the Korean War, but there is all kind of things going on in the background of this massive battle scene that we find our hero Atticus, at least in his dream in. you see, um, he, well, what you see from it later that he is reading the book John Carter of Mars. Mm-hmm. And so in this dream sequence, you see a lot of references to John Carter of Mars such as the Martians flying overhead. We also see Cthulhu itself, himself, herself, whatever, flying overhead as well during this huge battle. Um, Deja Thoris, I want to say. Yeah, Deja Thoris is her mm-hmm. name, the Red Queen. She's a red princess. She's featured prominently in the John Carter of Mars um, books, movies, etc. She beams down from one of the Martian ships so Atticus can meet her. Cthulhu attacks, and Jackie Robinson himself shows up <laughs> <laughs> and swings that bat and lays Cthulhu the hell out.
3: <laughs> what um, I,
0: what there's really so do, much in the scene, yo, the just the in the scene. He's
2: black hero indeed. But. There
0: you go. Yeah, I mean, the first man to cross the color lines and play baseball in the major leagues, you know, just a beast in all aspects. Of course he going to be there to lay the smack-if down on mm-hmm. I was going to say they lay that pipe down. I was going
1: to say, you sound like you wanted to say that. but It was it was a little
0: early in the show. I wasn't sure how far we wanted to go this quickly, but you know, yeah. Oh
1: oh no, this is us. We got to do it. Um, yeah. I wanted to make the comment that this opening scene is so di- disorienting in the best way mm. because we've all have read the book or, or, and, and at least once, um, or gotten most, mostly through it, um, enough that we can see where all of these ideas came from for the first episode. And Mm -hmm. the fact that you, I was, of course, one, I was confused. Like, wait a minute, am I watching the right show? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, at first I was like, all right, is this some war, you know, times type of situation? And then as you mentioned, you start diving into all of the the randomness of what a dream would be and it was very similar to how right now you fell asleep got into a dream how the different elements of what you thought about throughout the day maybe throughout the week the things that are weighing heavily on your mind would then manifest itself in the dream so the way that it manifested here in the show was brilliant um and as you said later on you find out that that Atticus our main character one of the main characters was reading a book about uh john carter of mars so you see all these random sci-fi elements the 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 special effects are fire that's number Mm -hmm. one let's talk about that too because uh sometimes you you get very sketchy special effects for a tv show but hbo spared no expense it seems and they did it right yeah i also
2: think i liked that like for the princess character it wasn't just like a random character because i feel like a lot of times when you're dreaming like your brain will put people that you've seen on the street and they'll be filling in space but you can tell um, even without knowing who that princess is for him in real life, that mm-hmm. she means something to him for real because of how he reacts to seeing her in his dream. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh,
1: mm-hmm. who is she to him? Whenever, she was black, right? I mean, no, she,
2: no. I mean,
3: was
1: she? She's Korean. Yes. Oh, right, right, right. Because when you look under the makeup, I was just like, wait a minute, where, what is she from? Okay, cool, cool, cool.
0: Mm-hmm. No, she's definitely Korean, and that definitely is going to come back around as we will get to a little later in the episode. But there's definitely, I, I do believe that woman, whoever the woman is, the actress playing her, beneath the makeup is going to show up again.
1: Yeah, she has to. Um, this yep. this is this is a manifestation of his psyche and everything else going on. I mean, clearly, with the, there's an uh, allegory there with the war. Um, besides the time period we end, maybe he's have a war within himself as well. So, mm-hmm. I, I took it as that. And as you mentioned, the 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 the, the piece de resistance was Cthulhu itself. Yes. Uh, that that was kind of scary. <laughs> it was well, a little random.
0: <laughs> well, as it should be, for those who don't know, and this is something I guess we should just start off and you know, explain, yeah. a, few, explain a few things. Um, the book and the show Lovecraft Country is based upon, in some ways, it's a redemption, it's a reversal, it's a change-up of the works of H.P. Lovecraft, who is an author who created this whole universe of horror, and he's been... Wildly influential, you know, since his um since he started these books. I mean, he's dead now, been dead a long time ago. But he Bye. was yeah, basically. He was hugely influential though. That is see, that is the thing that's like that and, and that's what Lovecraft Country, the book, is attempting to do. Because while we love to just say, you know, peace and be out, it's like the same thing with someone like um the original director of Birth of a Nation. His name is still on my mind right now, and it's F him as well, because the first Birth of a Nation is a very racist film. But at the same time, he pioneered several techniques in that movie that had not been done before. So you have to give him that recognition for that. It's the same thing with Lovecraft. He was a writer who wrote these ill stories that have influenced so much. But he was a monstrous racist, sexist bigot. It, it doesn't matter whatever you want to call it. He was part of it. He was down with it all the way. A lot of people trying to excuse it because of the time he lived in the early 1920s where he was from. But even to that level, he w- he went above and beyond the call of duty of racism. Whatever you want to do, like he was just a monster. So that is what you had to say at first. But at the same time, he created this universe, and one of the main monsters in this universe is this elder god Cthulhu. And Cthulhu allegedly is like this alien being. Humans cannot understand it. Anything.
1: He, he, he looks like a squid in the most like a in most giant, representation.
0: Giant squid faced um dragon squid, with dragon octopus, wings. Squid octopus slash kinds, yeah. Just horrible. Just one of the most horrible things. People are not even supposed to be able to look upon him without going insane. And he's part of this race of elder gods who just are sleeping underneath the earth. And one day they'll awaken their worship by these people. But even while sleeping, their evil powers are so great that they influence humanity and turn humanity dark. But H.P. Lovecraft also uses books to put in a lot of racism and shit. Like most of the monsters that people were free, freeing from were always darker. You know, it just—it's obvious, ridiculous racism.
1: Indeed, indeed. Fuck H.P. Lovecraft. So continuing yeah. on, um, as we leave the dream sequence, as as Atticus wakes up, we realize that he's on a bus on the way to somewhere, and it breaks down. Um, mm-hmm. As the scene continues to pan back, you notice he's on the back of the bus. And he's on one of those old-style Greyhounds uh, going cross maybe cross-country, cross-city, whatever. Um, As that happens, the bus breaks down and all the passengers have to get off. And then we start realizing that, oh, we are not in Kansas anymore. And the time period that we're in is very, very, very Jim Crow super racist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. Um, I mean, he...
2: I'm my, I have family that lives in Louisville and they were just crossing out of the Kentucky border into Indiana or Ohio, probably Indiana, depending on where they're coming out. Anyways, as they were crossing the border, he was like flipping off the border where it said like, uh, welcome to Kentucky. He was like, yeah, finally out of, um, Jim, out of the South. And I enjoyed that. Like, as soon as he did that, there was only one other black person in the back of the bus with him and it's a black woman. And she nodded at him whenever he did that. Like, yeah, isn't it great to get out of here? Um, and that's right whenever the like they had the misfortune to break the bus breaking down. And of course, mm-hmm. when the bus breaks down, there is a way for the white people on the bus to get moving or whatever. Mm-hmm. They find a service to help them get moving from where they are. But that same service is not extended to the black folk, even though there's just two of them and plenty of
1: space. You no, know, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's funny that Atticus was so sure in, in a sense, so sure of himself. Like, oh, yeah, I'm out of the South. I'm out of that, you know. Uh, I guess, obviously racist area, but it, you can't run from racism, it seems. Uh, as you mentioned, just even getting a ride after the fact he can't do the the, the, the the services and grace is not extended to black people. So himself, nor the the black woman that's also on the bus with him. And instead, while all the white folks get to jump up on the, the hay wagon bus and hightail into town, him and the black woman have to walk whatever how many miles into town.
0: Mm-hmm. And along the way, she asked him about the book that she was reading. And one of the great points is made uh, when he responds to her and explains the story of John Carter, who was an ex Confederate officer before he gets into all these adventures on Mars. And so mm-hmm. she's like, ex Confederate? You don't get to put an edge in front of that. Mm. you know. And that is one of the just greatest lines mm-hmm. you know, in the first episode, in an episode that is filled with them. So we get that. And then Atticus is traveling on his way to Chicago, where we're introduced to the next um well, some of more of the characters in the story in a in a really, really nice, you know, um <laughs> loving scene, as they say. Yes.
1: Oh, he's getting that wop, But uh yeah, <laughs> oh, we <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, George was definitely getting himself some wop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we happen upon the the next two characters, George and and I'm hoping I pronounce her name right, Hi- Hippolyta or Hippolyta. I know a lot of people pronounce it differently.
0: I'm gonna do go with prena- Lita, but I'm not sure. Do you pronounce it a, do you
1: pronounce her name a certain way, Portia? i not.
2: I don't. I sometimes whenever it comes to like names that are like Greek or whatever, I don't know if it's supposed to be like the the high eye, like like Hippolyte, like like yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's okay. been a while since I've been into my Greek. I think
0: George refers to her as Lita or Lida at one point. Like, you know, he shortens it. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: in in Greek mythology, Hippolyta is the daughter of Ares and Otera, who is queen of the Amazon. So Mm. I'm sure that connection will pop up later on as we continue in the series. Um, As Ben, I mean, mentioned, they are getting it on and... um, which people who have read the book will already see that the differences start coming um, in terms of what you see on screen versus what you read in the book. But that being said, it's still pretty good in terms of uh, the 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 intros of the character. Um, in addition, as we continue on, you see shots of the family on the wall, leading to a display of generations of the family, um, and it's kind of interspersed with scenes of them having fun upstairs in bed, uh, and you know, kind of showing you this is a, still a loving strong, large household and family.
0: Mm-hmm. And also, I think that's a point that we really should uh point out right there is that in the book, um Hippo <laughs> Lita. Uh, it's called Alita. Lita. Lita, Lita, Lita. Okay, we're going with Lita is um already on the road. She's already part of the Safe Negro Traveler's Guide. And she goes out just like George does and does missions, goes to different places and finds out where Negroes can travel in America. But in the show, they have changed it up where she is actually asking him to go out while George is just trying to get him some WAP. And, (laughs) you know, it's not really going down the way he wants it or the way she wants it. So it's different. And that is something that I'm wondering, you know, why or, you know, why that choice was made to Mm -hmm. change that up. Is it to give the characters more conflict and drama? Or is there another reason coming on later? Because that, I don't. I don't want to say it lessens her character because she's still the badass, and we will still see several references to other things that are from the book. But it's interesting, you know. That's just an interesting change, right there.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead, Portia. You gonna say something? Yeah, I just wonder, like from the uh,
2: trailer, like if, like I know you know, like Marvel's really good at giving us trailers where it kind of leads us off of the story. Like, are we actually mm-hmm. going to see what the clips are in the story? Um, mm-hmm. And there's a clip of her, like, on the field, like, wearing, like, armor or whatever. like ready. Mm-hmm. So yes. I wonder, because that's not really in the book, of her mm-hmm. doing that. So nope. I'm wondering if there's some, there's a reason, like, if this her not being part of it is somehow going to come up later in a bigger way than we, like, imagine it to, because we mm-hmm. didn't see that in a book.
0: Yep. No, I I think she's going to be beasting in this show. That that
1: makes sense, because I mentioned before that in Greek mythology, Hippolyta is the daughter of Ares, and Ares is the god of war. Mm. So there is a connection right there. That's a good call, uh, Portia. Um, So as we continue on, we are introduced to the actual safe Negro traveling company, the actual venue or or place that they work, um, which is also doubles as a library and a mechanic shop. So, you know, we always got to have our side hustles. So of course it's perfect for getting your car fixed, getting some some nice reading material before you get on the road. Uh, as long as you have your safe Negro traveling guide with you, um, Atticus reads a very interesting book. And what is the book called, Ben? I mean, well,
0: I'm not I'm not sure. He's actually picked up um, a Lovecraft book. I don't mm. think they actually showed a title of it, but okay. Th- then Uncle George is like, "Oh, you back on that again?" You know, and he's like. Atticus immediately references a poem that Lovecraft wrote, which is called On the Creation of Niggers. hmm And he explains, he references that poem because his dad, his father Montrose, right? Is that right? Mont- yep. Mm-hmm. Montrose, yep. Ma- yeah, uh, Montrose. Uh, Montrose made him memorize it the first time he saw him reading Lovecraft because he was like, I want you to understand what this man's about. Since and who is like this, this
1: person? See what this person is about and where yep. this, this comes from.
0: Yeah, so uh, should I read this poem? Um, Or I guess y'all can just Google it. I really don't want (laughs) to not
1: need We don't need to read the poem.
0: I really don't want to give y'all, you know, that man no more shine like that. Yeah, but um, yeah, so it's a poem about the creation of, as I said, and it's trifling. And it just shows you that H.P. Lovecraft is about that trifling life. If you didn't know it from his writing and the shots he takes by making every monster, like I said before, Dark and mm-hmm. inhuman and something to be feared, then you know where he's coming from right here.
1: Yeah, uh HP refers to black people as beasts, semi-humans, amongst other things.
0: Filled with vice. I like that part. I mean, I ain't mad mm. right at that, you know. Like
2: only human but only black people are filled with vice, not yeah. any other. Yeah. We're not all just humans with have vices.
0: But yeah, right. Yeah. I also
2: think that um but right before we got to the scene, I liked that like it was it was interesting that they had changed the character from them having a son to them having a mm-hmm. daughter. Yes. And she overheard them having this was like, Oh gross. And was like, <laughs> as soon as she was like that, well, that was like one thing of her being like, like just like kind of taken out, like being uncomfortable. Um, And then as soon as she like has that discomfort, then she's like a jump scare when it's her, it's her cousin coming up to say like hi to them or whatever. Yeah. So it was interesting how quick they took, um, like a loving embrace thing. So straight up, like could be scary thing in like just two minutes. And it was um, like, when it came to like the, the shop scene, it was interesting getting like the background of like, not only is the cousin, is she interested in like drawing and creating things, stories or whatever. She lives in a place where a lot of stories like, are written by like, white men who say Mm -hmm. really crappy things about black people. And she's drawing and creating her own stories, even knowing that like a lot of the spec fic that she's getting influenced by is not for her really.
1: Absolutely, Mm. Uh, and in fact, the daughter is creating what we see later. Um, She's creating comics. And actually that that fits right in line with with For All Nerds and what we are about. And also just the idea of sci-fi and fantasy and that whole realm of geek culture. So that was really cool. Um, and also, like Portia yeah. said,
0: flipping, you know, yep. what has been done before into making it useful for us.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh could Portia, can you take us through to the next part of the scenes?
2: Yeah. So as um George and Atticus are in the shop, they're like having that talk. And um George mentioned something about um the past is a living thing. You own it and you owe it. And I think it's, like, a mm. quote from his, father, like, from Montrose. Um, like, I think they were talking about, were they talking about uh, Montrose? Yeah, I think they were, yeah. Yeah. Um, they were talking, because he was asking, Atticus was asking George if he'd, like, heard from his father. And Montrose was like, um, no, I'm getting messed up with the book a little bit here. Um But he was like, oh, no, I haven't heard from him for a couple of weeks. And he was like, well, I got this letter from him. And then he mentions that in the letter. That's like um, as he's talking about his father. He's remembering that his father once said that you never get away from your past. You know, you own it and you owe it. Mm -hmm. And um, we get is it here that we find out about um, the fact that his father has been trying to chase down the the background of his mother's family? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. that's what that line is about, is about trying to, like, his father has been trying really hard to find out where his mother's family comes from. And um, in the books we know this, I don't know if we will get this in the story, but, like, we know that his mother didn't want his father looking into her
1: background at all. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's weird and it's also very familiar because I know, I mean, at least in my family, and I feel like this happens a lot in, in a lot of Black families, there's always these secrets. And you can say any family, really, but there's always these past that people don't want you to be to, to kind of look into. And Ben I mean shaking his head, yes. But this there seems to be there seems to be always things about the past or the past family or or something that happened that we don't want you to dig into.
0: Yeah, don't go looking under rugs. You're gonna find the dirt.
1: Ah, tell me about it.
0: But
2: sometimes your dirt, sometimes your family dirt isn't dirt that they that is like shameful. It's like dirt that they don't know what to do with. except for cover it up, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just too it's too scary for them to actually clean that up.
0: So they also find out that his father in this scene has gone off to at first what they think is Arkham, the uh, area of the country known as Arkham, Missouri. Mm-hmm. But then they realize it's actually Arkham. But Arkham, as most you know, comic book fans know, is the name Arkham of Asylum. Arkham Asylum. Um, it's the home of, in Lovecraft's books, he cre- he actually created the area of Arkham. Um, it's the home of the guy Herbert West, the Reanimator. There's actually a series of films from like the 80s. I've never seen them. They're hard. Horror- the first one is supposed to be like a horror classic, though. But it's about the Reanimator. And various other things in Lovecraft. It's like Stephen King's Maine. You know, that's that's Arkham for Lovecraft, where just all, all kind of horrible things always happening. Only question that I really have about this scene is that, does Uncle George know more than what he's letting on in regards to the family's history?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He's Uncle George. All, <laughs> I feel like all Uncle Georges, Uncle Charles, all of them, they always know all of the things and and I uh, uh, particularly think that because in the beginning of this conversation he was kind of trying to turn Atticus away from looking for a father he was mm. he was basically like no nah, I don't think that's that's the way to go fam and it's interesting considering we see we are already established that family is really important and family is a huge thing and for at and for Uncle george to kind of be brushing it off like ah I wouldn't worry about that is is, is, is feels a little lightweight suspect
0: mm. Yeah, definitely. And, like, it's one of the few times in the episode where Atticus has an out before he Mm -hmm. decides to go on with this and involve himself in the mystery of his family, the supernatural, Mm -hmm. everything that's going to come with basically his adventure, his big journey, his hero's journey, as they call it. This is, like, one of the few times where he does have an out, and he passes right up on that and keeps it moving.
1: For sure. So, I. And, and what would this show be or what would this story be without the hero deciding to do something, you know, probably against better judgment
3: mm-hmm. yep. <laughs>
1: and, and getting themselves into even more trouble, right? Got to be exciting. We wouldn't get that far.
0: Yeah. So from there, Atticus heads off and he goes to look for his father. So he goes to the last known place where he thinks he'd be at the local bar. But on the way there, he sees a recruitment office, a military recruitment office. and the dude sitting, a white guy officer sitting outside of it, gives them a look like they've seen each other before, probably got recruited at the same office. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of little kids around the officer who look just like a young Atticus. And they're playing um Watt clones. And shout out to Misha Green, because she did this on Underground. She would have music that uh, is, what's the word, incongruous to the time period. Yeah, but, like
1: she's playing contemporary music in mm-hmm. a time period where none of this, like that that. that. Even style, genre of music didn't even really exist
0: in Exists at all. But it's yeah. so perfect for the scene because Tierra, Tierra Wack and her song Clones is talking about how everyone looks and sounds the same. Mm-hmm. And right there, you have all these kids looking and sounding the same and falling into the same trap that Atticus mm-hmm. fell in. So just perfect use right there.
1: And personally, I'm a big Tierra Whack Oof. fan. That's yeah. one of my favorite mm-hmm. my favorite records from her. So yes. it was just really cool to just even see that used in place like that. And to your point, mm-hmm. it was placed very smartly. And you know, it made me think of a couple of things. Like, as you're saying, you're seeing all of these young black kids going down the same path as Atticus, you know, whether they feel like that's the way or maybe not. Um, we also see, we also kind of get that understanding of, and, and it's still an understanding that's held today about, that conflict of being black in America and serving your country, but also not even being treated like you're a citizen or being mm-hmm. treated with respect and all that other stuff. And mm-hmm. everyone else is doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I just found that interesting. And, and it, like, again, the, the the song choice made a lot of sense there. Perfect. Yeah, and I,
2: I like that it went straight from like when I, as he's getting closer to the black party. So he went from like the military aspect to like the um authority of like military, mm-hmm. and that being like a white recruiter to like when you get to the black party, who do you see like standing guard at the fence? It's a black police. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like a really great like just like moving into like who what does authority look like in the black community and how does white authority like what do they well, who do they even seem to represent like authority then. They send black police officers and it's kind of like a veil of like, well, see, there's a black person here who's here for your black party, but it's like they're a police officer, though.
3: So right. Right.
1: Is she, But are they for you? Really? So really? again, that, that comes into now the modern day. To, again just just conflict we have with with police in general um and and everything going on in society in the u.s society right now and mm-hmm. also just that to me the aspect of clones when you look at soldiers they technically are all the like mm. they all fall in line if you just look at it from a holistic view and they 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 all they don't have any individuality they all represent one unit or one force mm. so,
0: yeah they're told that they're, they're
2: taught not to have individual identities they're told to represent the
1: whole Mm -hmm, absolutely
0: yep but like we were saying before we get to the block party he's on the way to look for his father so he goes to the bar where he thinks he'll find him it's obviously a place where everyone knows your name because as soon as he walks in uh, another young man named tree steps up to him and really tries to play him but this is the first time that we hear Atticus called tick his nickname And tick usually are, you know, as we know, insects that are bloodsuckers, really small. So it might be kind of disrespectful. But, you know, Atticus used to be small, went away to the military, came back big and ain't having that. So really plays tree to the side, keeps it moving, (laughs) goes outside looking for the bar owner named Slappy. And, well, um, Slappy is outside, of course, you know, but Slappy's getting some sloppy toppy from... Another young man who is doing some action, and in full, uh, what's the word, disclosure, we are, look for the actor's name who is the bar owner. As far as I know, his name sounded like Slappy, plus he was getting sloppy-toppy, so, you know, it all worked out. Well, that's
1: what shocked me. It was done in broad daylight. Mm. Like, yeah, it was in the back, but it was in broad daylight, like, they wasn't even really trying to hide, so... Mm Honestly, anybody could have walked in on that. So that's what startled me. I was just like, "Oh, wait a minute!" <laughs> you know, we, you know, yeah. I did not mean to disturb you.
0: No, and then <laughs> you know, like, the young young man broke off quick. Like I gotta yeah, go and you ran. Know. Yes, but I feel Out. like it's
2: also like um, a juxtaposition to. Atticus's like introduction to his like when we see the introduction to his uncle and uncle whenever he comes in they Mm -hmm. were just having sex or whatever so he breaks up them in the middle of having sex and then he comes through later and he breaks up homeboy having
3: sex so he's just like
1: damn so Atticus a cock blocker
0: facts (laughs) all all around like he's equal opportunity too. it don't even matter like you know he just breaking it all the the action no action while Atticus (laughs) is around (laughs) <laughs> like, that's not happening so anyway slappy lets him know that his he had seen his dad but the last time he saw him he was talking to some fresh looking white man who wasn't a cop slappy thinks he's probably a lawyer of some sort mm-hmm. and there's a mention of the silver car bid style dope ass <sighs> car woof which that we gave was... me chills
1: when they started saying silver car again. yes as we all read the book, mm-hmm. that that silver car is very very important in this, and we'll we won't reveal too much, but we'll go as we go along. But the silver car is critical and vital to the entire story.
2: Yes. Let me just say this about the silver car, like especially like I, as much as like I hate like older design because a lot of it's like really square. Like the the silverness of the car is so sleek. It's, it's so like, sleek and so slick. It's, like, it's. I feel like a lot of people, like, they associate, like, red with the color of, like, sports cars. But I feel like that silver just, like, pops in a way. It seems like it just, like, moves through air, like, by its own propulsion. Like, it's not even, like, a car. It's just a It
1: looks thing. like a spaceship on the ground. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, take from that what you will.
0: Oh, yeah. Yep. And then we have the block party. And that's also something I wanted to say real quick. Because when they first, you know, they've been doing these, um... Damn it, the word is slipping my mind for what is they call when they, you know, intro the scene. It's like Chicago, you know, the different oh. areas of where he's at. The
1: oh, Chevron?
0: Okay. Yeah, it's Chevron uh, in certain ones, but I. Innerstittle? Yeah, I don't know, whatever. But you all get what I mean, you know. Yeah. And, it's, and when they go to Chicago, it was immediately so black. You know, you saw black kids playing, you saw all these things where it was like, it was such a difference from before. And now we have the block party at night. And it's just beautiful from the jump. You know, you got black people just dancing, having a great time of all. Mm -hmm. Everybody just chilling, loving each other. And we're introduced to two of the sisters, two of the main characters of the show, Ruby and Letitia. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what can't be said about Ruby and Letitia? And like, (laughs) once again, I need to give a shout out to Kim Coleman, the casting director, a black woman like I've talked about before on Fall Nerds. Casting directors are the unsung heroes of Hollywood, and they're mainly women. I'd say probably ninety percent, if not more, of them are women. And Kim Coleman did a fantastic job on this series because, Kim, I mean, Letitia and Ruby are just you know straight out the book, like perfection. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. and I really love when Masaku as Ruby. Mm. Uh, she she gives a, a very. I mean, from the moment she pops on screen, because as you mentioned, she's you. The way you meet her is through song. Because yes. she she is killing it at this concert for everybody, for the black community that's that's there. And she has such a presence, such a force. Like she reminded me from a from a presence and force perspective, like of Vigil Scott. Mm. Just how she 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 encompassed the room and she 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 had control over everyone, mm-hmm. uh uh from an entertainment perspective.
0: Yep. And uh just to mention some of the songs, because those were very important. Uh two of the songs that she was performing, she's First performing "Uh Tall Skinny Papa" by Sister Rosetta Sharp, and was that
1: a thart? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that is like Sister Rosetta is pretty much the creator of what we know as modern day rock and roll. Mm-hmm.
3: But it just a black woman,
0: black woman, and never gets the credit. So for them to play her in this show is so dope, so important. Um, and then Letitia arrives, and there's some interplay between her and Ruby. You can tell they got a little beef, little it's a history. little history. Sure. Yeah, there's some, you know, jabs thrown at each other as she gets up on stage. But then together they sing a whole lot of Shaking, which has been done by a lot of people. But I think they're referencing Bid Maybell, who was another black woman singer from the 1920s, 1930s. And she would resemble someone like Ruby in real life. So that's why I think they were going with that type of version. Both of them do a amazing job of it like you said controlling the crowd controlling everything and just mm-hmm. great did scene. you yeah
2: did you notice how like it like their like so sibling robbery went right with their performance as well yes so mm-hmm. they couldn't even share that one mic for too no. long and all of a sudden there's a second mic that appears on stage so yep. they was like the let's let's help
1: them yes. so it's not gonna be a fight like yeah you from the beginning you saw the fire and electricity between their eyes. Like it looked like when you playing Street Fighter and the two characters look at each other and it has that electricity between them. Like you can tell it was about to be right, right, Betty. You could tell it was about to be some smoke in the city. So yeah. it was like, all right, let's let's just give them these two mics and let them rock. Because yep. as you said, that, that silver rivalry was so palpable. And 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 also uh kudos to Journey Smollett who who mm. went out there singing as you know, loud, proud and strongly and, and was able to to give that energy to add to the performance that the contrasting energy if you will
3: mm-hmm.
1: no. yeah i
2: think it was i think it was interesting like that the sibling Like it, when it came to like the dynamic between them like the explanation for it like we don't yeah. get a lot of it but in the next scene off of stage for them when let's like, just like oh can i stay with you or whatever and she's like for, um her sister's like for two days
1: never
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that definitely leads into some stuff we'll talk about in a second about family and choosing yeah. your own family. But before we get there, you know, the block parties, fire, everything. Uh, Atticus goes back to his father's house, um, which I love because his dad had the whole wall of vinyl, the ill turntable and everything. He plays some music, but then he makes yet another. This is probably his last chance, you know, like whenever you're on the hero's journey, like you were saying before, you know, you gonna get him some shit. And this is like that last chance because he calls back to South Korea. A woman picks up, asked him if he went back home, and it's like, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you know, that yeah. was a, that he, was a bad makes, idea.
1: He makes this phone call and is clearly scared or 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 some other emotion not mm-hmm. to even speak because he doesn't say any words. He nope. he he places the call <laughs> and you see him like grasping the air to let out some type of syllable, but nothing ever comes out. And the woman and it's silent for a minute, but the woman on the other end recognizes that it has to be him. Who else mm-hmm. from America? Because I presume the, the operator that connected them told them it was a call from America. Who mm-hmm. else from America would be calling South Korea? So to your point, you know, with the with the, the pregnant pause that happened, she was like, yo, this got to be man's on the other line. <laughs> Why'd you leave me, bro? Yep. And of course, again, and again, I don't know if it's fear or otherwise, man's atticus is just like. Yeah, you know, I can't even. Like, he still doesn't bring himself to say anything. Blank. And face. so I wonder what exactly went down. Is he? Is he? I, again, I'm trying to find a. It may not be fair. Is he? Does he feel ashamed mm. of something? Yeah,
2: I wonder what the kind of conversations they had for her to have been like. You know, I told you not to go back or whatever. And I wonder mm-hmm. what kind of conversations they must have had for him to feel like. Because not only did he just he didn't go straight back to Chicago. He went to Florida. He was living in Florida and then when he mm-hmm. got that letter from his father. He finally went back home. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what kind of what actually made him leave Korea and why did he go to Florida? Um, mm-hmm. And what were they talking about for him to not even call her until he got to Chicago?
0: Mm. Or maybe she maybe he was talking to her in Florida. And then, you know, she was like, don't go to Chicago. You know, I, I don't give a damn about your daddy. Don't go home. <laughs> and he was like, no, nah, I got to do it. And then she was like, well. And like you said, he didn't say nothing. But as soon as she was like, you shouldn't have done that, my man found some type of strength in his heart and bangs the phone on her. Like, ah, you know, and that's the end yeah. of that. And he's now made his choice. He's on, you know, the adventure begins.
1: And and this is Oof. woman, probably the same woman represented in his dream in the beginning of the show.
0: I believe so. 100%. Yeah. Uh, a, the, she a, she
1: was the, was she the princess of Mars or, or yes. whatever so, her character was? Okay. Yep.
0: I I, I would go there. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so now we have, you know, the formation of the new family and the journey beginning. And Atticus meets up with George. Lita, are we going with? You know. I don't. Oh,
2: yeah, Lita. But I think we got to be careful because, like, in the show, they call uh, Letitia Letty. 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 And the the book Titia. Tisha. So it's kind of like.
1: I mean, I'm fully prepared to get dragged by everybody listening about the pronunciation of, of Hippolyta, Hippolyta, yeah,
0: Hippolyta. Like yeah.
1: I'm I, I'm fully prepared to get dragged of uh, Greek mythology, bro. We trying. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so anyway, everybody's together. Atticus and Letitia meet again, you know, since they were kids in the science club together. And both of them are, you know, quite appreciative of the growth since then in <laughs> both of them. And you I know, I mean,
1: Jonathan sneeze at man and yeah. journey
0: smoking <laughs> you know definitely not either so you
1: know. <laughs> no not at all they, <laughs> they, they they both looking pretty good their Tinder profiles are a1 so <laughs> Facts. you know what i'm saying you know they they, they, they they not need anything at this point they're pretty good
0: yeah they don't need to swipe too many times you know they're good money <laughs> and so um, you know they all meet up D, who has... That's another change from the book, I think we talked about a little before, is that in the book, uh, George is, has a son, and now he has a daughter, mm. Yes, but she plays the same role where she has the comic book that he must have before he goes on the road. This time, it's featuring her mom instead of the Panther Man, which is obviously the Black Panther shout-out, mm. you know, and now it's got the mom who's going into space on adventures and... George is happy for that, too, even though he is still refusing to let Bomb go on her own adventures, which is, you know, another change. But, mm. but why do y'all think they went with a young woman instead of Horace from the book? You
1: know, maybe just creative liberties. Uh. Mm mm-hmm. I personally like the, the the infusion of more black women, black yep. girls, yeah, especially in sci-fi.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it could it could just be that, and and, yep. and again, just a creative decision made by by Kim, the, the the casting director slash Misha as well, because this is Misha's adaptation.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I wonder how much of it has to do with the change to Hippoly- Hippolyta's
2: um um role yep. in the yeah. like in the thing. Because I wonder if like by taking away her like agency to be one of like the one of the leading people for going and taking care of the uh, guidebook and traveling around if we're getting like to see her live out some of her dreams through her daughter kind of thing like is her daughter going to pick up some of the dreams that her mom had when she was younger we're going to see that kind of arc
1: hmm. yeah and it's been a while but i don't recall if horace being horace being a, a male child changes anything significant about the story I wouldn't say
2: so. He gets his so. own. He gets his own vignette. Like he gets yes. his own thing later. But, but him
1: being male,
0: the kid, think, the basically yeah. their child
1: being male, I don't think it no. No. changes anything mm-hmm. about the story. So that's why I think maybe it's just creative liberty.
0: Yep. But that comes to one of the um, big themes of the show that I wanted to talk, but we wanted to talk about is that family and how you define it. And like mm. everyone in this show is like they've got a lot of family issues, but they, at the same time. Are finding this new family together, you know, of each other because Atticus, you know, obviously has something in South Korea that he left behind. He also has something in Florida that he left behind. Might not have been much there, but there's something that he's leaving. Letitia never came home for her mother's funeral, which, you know, to me personally, yo, that's like, I can't imagine it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I, 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 that. That swad and I fully take Ruby's side in that beef right there. I
2: wonder a lot about, um, especially if she's, like, especially she's a light-skinned kid out of her two siblings. So Mm -hmm. does she have a different father? Mm -hmm. Um, No, that can't happen. Or is it just, like, you know, that's just, they all have the same um, parents. But also, like, is there, is she, like, having light skin problems where she just, like, she couldn't, she made reasons for herself to not go back home. Like
3: she Mm. told herself
2: she couldn't go back home because she had to be an activist or be some. She was doing more important Uh. things. She was, she was making out for herself or she was better served, uh, better serving her family by not being around her family.
0: Wow. Light stream problem. So that's like, (laughs) that's like a shade, you know, darker-than-white-people problems? Is that how that works? Oh,
2: God. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the Drake, the logic, the like- Oh, I I got you.
0: Yeah, I got you. We got you, brother. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Not the Drake and the logic. (laughs) (laughs) They both do definitely, in all their rhymes, have nothing but light stream problems. (laughs) Like
2: Robin Thede's character from um, Black Lady Sketch Show, the one that's like the doctor who's like super black or whatever. Oh, yes. yes. Like like you're
1: you're trying to compensate over Mm -hmm. your blackness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: There we go. Um, and yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like there's all this stuff going on with family, you know, and these people finding a new family and what that means. And we'll really see that as, you know, they come together and are tried and the tribulations. And then, you know, as we know from book readers, there's a lot more to this family than, you know, to Atticus family than he knows about right now and what that really means. So. Lot to come, but first we have one of the illest montages in the show, man. Like, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know you want to talk about this. Like, this is just it's pure fire. Like, but you know,
1: which montage? <laughs>
0: oh, I'm There's talking about movie. the driving. You know, the big drive when they go on the road, okay. and we see racism in America. We get to yeah. hear the brilliant words of my man James Baldwin. Like, this beautiful. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so during this, this, this city. This intercity trip, trip, as you mentioned, they do play an excerpt of the famous Baldwin versus William F. Buckley debate. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't call it a debate. I call it a uh, dragging because yes. Baldwin just absolutely <laughs> murders <laughs> Buckley as as as, you know, expected. But yeah. um, it's and, and what's interesting is I've I heard this separately. I've heard like just, you know, just um, Baldwin's part separately. Mm-hmm in something completely unrelated yep. so as soon as it was talking number one you I, you recognize james baldwin's voice yeah. um because that, that cadence that mm-hmm. he has but also just recognizing what he's talking about when he yes. when there again this goes back into what we had said earlier about um lovecraft's view of black people and
3: mm-hmm.
1: what we are we're beasts we're this we're that like you know if, if, if we are devoid of humanity or whatever and what white people think of us and Baldwin taps into some of that and then all of that is juxtaposed with as you say with this montage of different Jim Crow era stuff you you see the Mm. Aunt Jemima
0: you see that I mean hold on we see Aunt Jemima which is like you know I've seen the writers room on Twitter say that they wrote this years ago obviously at least two years ago (laughs) and so they don't know anything that and even when they said that Aunt Jemima hadn't been you know taken off shelves yet It was so funny. And now we see Aunt Jemima and it's like, that's that history. But now, you know, in 2020, because of all this wildness going on, now Aunt Jemima out of here. So,
2: But you know what was, what is weird that, like, what hit me in that moment was that, like, how many things were Black people icons on like, at that time in history? Like, there was the Black representation? So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of, like, the struggles that we've had over time for getting rid of, like, Black um, iconography on things has been like, mm-hmm. well, that's the only time I see myself on anything that's God, like a major shame. product, and it was <laughs> like a weird like respectability slash representation slash a wrong way to talk about representation kind of thing, and that's mm-hmm. kind of how it kind of morphed into being this long lasting thing.
3: Yeah. Yes. Um,
1: yes.
2: But it's just like it just it hit me when I saw that I was like, oh dang! Like and Jemima and like Uncle Ben used to be the only time you would see a black person mm-hmm. on a product. Mm-hmm. Period. Or, or
1: or you would see like the. Um, I forgot the the specific name of them. I think it starts with letter G, but uh, they would call them Tari babies. Like the, mm-hmm. the they're supposed to be representative of black children selling things like soap and other household goods. Um, and also, as they are, you know, going driving through, they when they, they stop at a gas station and some white people make ape jokes at them because oh, eating the banana. banana. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, the colored entrances, I mean, you see that you see that the color entrances and areas versus the white areas. You see that from the beginning. Um, and it's. You know, you know I will say it, it's a message.
2: Yeah. And it's like they're yeah. gone their way in Massachusetts and it kind of like reinforces the whole futility of like Atticus being like goodbye Jim Crow when literally right. like he's in the north and he's facing the same segregation that he's facing down south. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same ape jokes, same stuff, same violence that we're about to like talk about in a second, like same thing. So
1: where racism just in it by a different name or by a different approach. It may not be, um, you know, someone saying, well, they're going to hang you, but they're still saying, you know, saying, oh, you want a banana, stuff like that. Um, you know, that, that North versus South brand of racism. And that goes into the, the other theme about the idea of, of you're always on the run from racism, um, you know, between, between Atticus and again, maybe that's also part of why the woman on the other line at South Korea was like, why would you go back? Because mm-hmm. perhaps there was this whole conversation about, as I mentioned before, you, you're, you're, you're in the military supposedly serving your country, but your country doesn't even want you. Your and in does,
0: Korea, you'll get treated far better as a black potentially, man. Will
1: potentially, you? but will you, because I won't, I don't want to say better, but you, you will you'll have a, a
2: different kind of race yeah, And that. also yes.
1: it's more, um, What's the term when, like, you're just all about, you're not about outsiders, xenof- xen- you're xenophobic. Xenophobia. Yeah.
0: But at the time, from what I understand, like, especially, I don't know about Korea as much, but I know World War II, et cetera, when black soldiers went over to Europe and shit. And even in Korea, I know, it you know, Vietnamese, they got a lot of love, too, in Vietnam War. That's why, you know, a lot of soldiers came back with wives over there, because it was different. like
1: It's, it's different. Yeah. yeah. It and was different. And, and, yeah. and there's also other things you had to combat because white GIs or or other military people would be mm-hmm. over there, and they would they would see their racism over there. So mm-hmm. then the the, yeah. the people in these countries would would, would have these yeah. notions of what black people were. Yeah. To so to Portia's point, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. You know, mm-hmm. maybe just 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 not as overt. As
2: well, is. I mean,
0: he found a woman, so he was happy, you know?
1: But also,
2: <laughs> at the same time, though, right? Like, it's like, that's him. But, like, also think about if they had kids, they had the kids have to go through the system. Like, he's mm-hmm. yeah. grown out of the... He's too old to go through, like, the school system stuff or whatever. So I'm thinking a lot about, like, um, the tennis player, Isaka...
3: Mm. Is-
1: Naomi Osaka. Like,
2: no, yeah, and all the so she's talked about, she had to go through growing up in Japan and being mm. like mixed black and like all the crap that she's gone through. All the pageant women who've been who are mixed uh, Asian and they've had to they grew up across the mm-hmm. streets with a black father. Like it's yeah. a lot of crap. Like it's not oh, like yeah. it's not like it... just because it's a different country that don't have doesn't have as many black folk doesn't mean that racism isn't there. It's oh just, no.
0: Oh yeah, no. White supremacy runs worldwide. That's the you know that's we've talked about that a lot. But yeah. That's something that's not even it's as much as they have to run from. I mean, they do have to run from racism because we see they get to the, the first town. They want to stop in and, you know, they think the diner there is good. For, good by the book.
2: I'm I how that scene. stubborn George was. So, like, oh, my I was God. Like, I was like, George, 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 Damn. you have eyes. You you can look around and see what, what the reactions are as we drive through here are just like I can. Please tell mm-hmm. me. So and, well, we I mean, stop
1: here. and again, this is where we get to the whole conflict. Like, yes, I understand. You feel like you're a man and you're this and you demand respect and you demand to be treated a certain way. And yes, part of the reason why they ownership is because like I said, this is how they they update their book, you know, the, the Safe Negro Traveler's Guide and, and, and figure out where places people can go. But as you say, to be like, you know, you see, you see that people's looking at you funny. You see people's looking at you sideways and mm-hmm. you know that there's something not quite right. And I know you've like, even to this day we all have felt it you where you walked into a place uh if you walked into an establishment or even an area where something doesn't quite feel right something feels off mm. and in a way it's like for you to like act like nothing has happened is willful ignorance In another way it's like i get that you want to demand your respect you're like well i'm in america this is a free country da, da, da. at the same time don't be stupid pick your yeah. battles
0: yes but so, that, that's something black men and black women everybody has to learn to deal with you know that we got to learn to pick our battles. But mm-hmm. I also felt George in that scene in, in some way. I've been in that situation. But then I've also been in the situations where it's like I've been in that situation. I'm like, all right, well, it's time to go then. You know what I mean? I remember a classic as a kid. I was playing Street Fighter at this uh, random grocery store, right? I'm just rocking Street Fighter. Some uh, white man, you know, I'm a kid. He walks up next to me, pops in his quarter, starts playing. You know, we f- battling. I look over at his hand, and my man got a swastika tattooed on his left hand. <gasps> I mm-hmm. lost and bounced. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't even attempt wow. to win. You know, I was like, all right, I'm out. You know, like, I'm not even standing around here and seeing what I happened like, to my this Yeah, like... Yeah, it ain't even worth all that. You know what I mean? I'm out. Go find my mom. We out.
1: Similar that's, to what we said about there's no such thing as an ex-Confederate, there's no such thing as an ex-Nazi. No, nope. facts. Yeah.
0: And that's
3: that's
2: one of the things that I, like, when I moved up north, like, when I went to school outside of Philly, um, black. it was funny because I went to HBCU, so a lot of... uh people were like, oh, so like, it's just super racist in the South. Right. And I'm like, dude, like I faced, I've seen more racism in Philly than I've mm-hmm. seen in, um, like a lot of what I remember about in Tennessee. Like, I know there's something that just went over my head, but I like the things that I encountered, I was like, in Tennessee, you know, where not to go. There's parts of town where you see a Confederate flag. You're like, oh, you don't go that far to town
3: mm-hmm.
2: in the North. There's no, there's no thing that tells you that Black people aren't welcome over here. As soon as you step over on this block, white people are gonna look at you kind okay. of way. There's
1: it's not no, as overt. Right. Yeah, it's uh, not as overt. It's it's more so you have to know, or the, the, there's social cues or things mm-hmm. people say. Like like I said, that funny feeling you get, and that funny feeling and that feeling of un, unease is why I love that diner scene so much. I mean, I love it because it, it was it was scary. It was funny. uh, Just the reactions and the way it all went down. Um, and and just the fact that it also showed you the, uh, things like like things like gentrification. It mm. also showed you things like uh, again, this diner that they thought was safe they thought it was safe because it, it allowed black people in. Um, I, the owner may have been black at the time, but slimmer to what you see like things like Black Wall Street, apparently it got burned down and yes. rebuilt on top of it to be a white only establishment.
2: Mm-hmm. I love the line that Atticus had there to kind of like explain so he was like, um, George, tell me again, what happened to the white house? Why did he paint it white? And then that's mm-hmm. whenever he moved the tile over and you can see that it was burnt out. It was like, Oh shoot. All right. Like, and I love that Ruby, like came, like she saw. She like, ran to the rest- yeah. LaTisha, sorry. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I'm just like naming things. Um, she ran <laughs> to the bathroom and like, as soon as they came in there, she's like, you know what? I can even be here. I'm to the restroom. And she came back out. Um, she saw homeboy on the phone, and she was like, "Oh no, what happened?" to the... Calling twelve, bro. Yep. And as soon as I saw, like, well, she was like, "We gotta go!" And at <laughs> the same time, they figured out they had to go, and then the truck came around, they with, with the guns propped up on the on the top. Of- I was like, "Okay, no." Mm-mm. But you
1: know, but you know that where like, and, and the the words that Letitia used were, "We gotta get our asses out of here!" Like. You've been in those. I don't know if you have personally, but I feel like that there's been at least one situation where it's just like you realize you was in a very dangerous spot with your homeboys or homegirls or whatever, and you like we got to get the fuck out of here mm-hmm. like set, because we're we're going to die and and that was or or something thereof, and that was literally what happened, and they got ran out of town, and that's also something that I from 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 this day and age I can't imagine personally being run out of town. But that still happens.
0: Mm. And um, yeah, I would say, Portia, that's a different I, I would definitely have a different experience. I grew up in Houston and Houston, I experienced so much overt racism in my face that it was different when I moved up east. You know, I, I experienced that same covert racism once I got up east. But the in my face racism when I grew up in Houston was much worse for me. And even now, when I go back to Texas, it's like I've been to Texas as a grown man in the last 10 years and caught some wild racism that I wouldn't catch up here. So it can be different where you are. But what I loved about that diner scene real quick is when they first walk in, uh, I want to shout out Yann DeMange and uh, Robert McLaughlin. They're the director and cinematographer. Mm -hmm. And when they first walk in, there's a shot of the patron and the counter boy standing there. And the shot is like off kilter. So it creates that effect of, and then it flips back to the shot of them. Something's
1: not right. <laughs> yeah, and
0: then it flips back to George and them, and it's level again. And it flips back to them, and it's, uh, it's Dolph Kilter. So it gives you that, whoa, you know, like that's there. you know, these white people are like, oh, my God, these Negroes done came. What are they thinking? You know, is that? The, and then my man gets up in distrust, bounces immediately, so he can go call 12, because you know he ran <laughs> he, down to the he, firehouse. He didn't
2: try to call them. He was with them when he came back in the yeah, trip, So he was he, like, Time yeah, he ran, he, he ran went, down there. He ran
0: down there, you time. know. It's yeah. Time. So yeah. and once again, shout out to Yan and Robert for that fucking chase scene. Like just Yo. so beautifully shot.
1: Yo, that's um that, again the level, the level of emotion and excitement that I had, because I was just I was like, why it was one of my favorite scenes. That whole sequence from the diner through the chase. Yes. Just incredible.
0: We get my favorite line of the episode, or one of them once again. Name's not girl. It's Letitia fucking Hawkins. Like, girl. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. <laughs> like just what give me the be-
1: keys let Ooh. me ride yeah. I love and I think
2: that's what I like about like um them showing that the like Hippolyta and also like the like how they're, they're treating Letitia is like how right. they're like being they're still showing like masculinity like patriarchy or yes. whatever mm-hmm. throughout this or whatever because as soon as like they're like that you should we don't uh, he doesn't want to let let you should drive the car it's like why not like let her right. drive the effing
3: car
1: what's the problem yes. she's fucking the wheel as we're trying to leave town what is your problem meanwhile yeah. she finally does get the keys and she's jason statham out this day. <laughs> like she she, she should have been driving in the first fucking place and also i have another pronunciation for you uh hippolyta
0: Hippolyta. Um, Hippolyta. Okay. We gotta So a Let's million. see which one it is. <laughs> We're gonna keep going. And so then we get the introduction of this, you know, the silver car, the Daimler, you know, the Daimler. And that's the another daimler, one.
1: silver, daimler, Chrysler, yeah. Ooh! Flash. I mean, I mean, that's I mean that Porsche, so gotta go back to what you said. That car is so slick and, yeah. like, and, and like you said, may, that might not have been particularly my style, but that particular car, like mm. I, I wanna say it looks like a futuristic, but Olden times, but spaceship type Aston Martin type of feeling. It like looks, it was, it's just beautiful. It looks like the car for Monopoly. Mm-hmm. Oh, it does yeah. look like the car Monopoly. Yes, w- yes, yes.
0: What's wild is in Houston. I grew up right there. Is these? Um, I grew up. Uh, everyone who knows South McGregor, there's this strip of South McGregor, the street where it's like big giant houses, you know. And it's black owned too. This is third ward, but I don't think this one was black owned from what I understand. But they had and they had a giant house, you know, and a huge driveway and they had two joints like that that just sat in the driveway. They weren't silver. They were like black, I think. But they were that same type of old school Rolls-Royce, you know, classic joint. And so mm-hmm. I grew up seeing these joints all day. And that silver, I mean that silver i'm banging on everything I've ever seen. Boy, that shit is beautiful. Yeah. But whoo, what a scene. And yes. yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, that's the, it's another once again shout out to the directing and cinematography because the car chase ends in the silver Chrysler cutting off the pursuing car and some type of force field, something this car has. The Chrysler rams into it. I mean, the car, the fire truck, whatever rams the into cop it. Cop car, yeah. Cop car goes flying. It's not a truck, though. Truck, yeah. Fire truck, yeah. I think it's fire truck. They drive by the fire station at the beginning, yeah. so it's a fire but truck. Oh yeah, it's just. Yeah. It's
2: not like it's not like a what we think of a fire engine today. It's just like no. a regular yeah. old yeah, truck. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just a truck, and they yeah. got it? They just got someone on top with a gun. Like yes. it's, it's a jump out boy truck.
0: Basically. Right. basically, well, the truck gets served and hits this force <laughs> field and goes flying. And then one of my other favorite shots in the show right then, as we, we do what they call a Dolly Zoom into the car with George and everything, into the back of it. And Dolly Zoom's uh Spielberg really popularized them, but it's basically you're you're at the same time that you're zooming. You're either dollying in or away from the um, subject, and then you're zooming in at the same time. So it creates this effect where the subject stays the same size while everything arousing them zooms in. Mm. So it's really ill when done right. Spielberg does it in pretty much every one of his movies. It's like Spike Lee's, you know, walking shot yeah, with, yeah. to identify okay. him.
1: That that move or that, that technique enhances the feeling of speed and danger. Yes. And and, and disorientation. As you right. And then slick. centering the, the subject of mm-hmm. the action. Yeah. Yep.
0: And then you got Letitia and them like, oh shit, you know, as it zooms in. So I, that was just so dope. I mean, the directing all through this episode was crazy. And then we get a woman stepping out of the car, and you know, which is another difference we'll get into later from the book. But well, yep. Yeah, uh-huh. we get this woman stepping out of the car.
1: White woman. Mm-hmm. White woman. Red-headed. Wise.
0: Uh, no blonde. Still, blonde still. Right? Yeah, still blonde. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. She's still blonde. Yep, yeah, because that's you know relation to the book. But mm-hmm. wisely, you know, the Negroes see the white woman pull up and they out, out, <laughs> out immediately. Like no, no. Nope.
2: They were already like we had to keep moving because so I know it's going back there. But then they're also yeah.
0: just like no.
1: Nope. Well, also <laughs> when you're in this in your mind that okay. These white people ain't here for us. And a white person means danger. Yes. Because of even you see something that seemingly looks like someone's helping you. You're not going to trust
3: it. Mm
0: -mm. We out. We out. We out. So out they go. Off onto Brother Marvin's and the rest of this episode and adventure. But yeah, I mean, we ain't done yet because, oh my God, there's a lot coming.
2: There's so much in this episode.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I've seen it quite a few times and as a writer and as someone who studies pilot episodes, I am blown away because it has a great plot. It had introduced the characters. It makes you want to see more. It has all these references to horror and stuff from before Mm -hmm. it has, you know, them dealing like the themes we're talking about with family where black people have to deal with racism before they can even begin to deal with the supernatural. It captures the book. So well, I mean, just hats off to everybody, yo. they just did this shit.
2: To your point, I think that this is a really great it's point, I think it's a really great great way that we transition from um like everyday black life and the horrors they're in into, like, the the greatest fears of Black people to get run down and get, like, chased out with guns or whatever and, like, possibly mm-hmm. dying for just being yourself and being in a place that you didn't know you shouldn't be
3: mm-hmm.
2: to... I mean, and then why shouldn't you be there? Like, why can't we just live? And then we get into the supernatural horror and it's just, like, it just merges with all of the actual natural horrors, like, the horror of humanity, like, humans mm-hmm. trying to kill other humans. And mm-hmm. it just kind of, like, I liked how the show transitioned from, like, these different, it come from small stakes to higher stakes as we kept going.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And 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 that the, the end of that scene into the, the the remainder of the show introduces that concept that you know the supernatural or the supernatural monsters or the thing that you fear will, may actually save you. Um, again, we don't really know who this white. I mean, depending on you know, where you are in the book, if you read the book, we don't really know who this white woman is and what exactly happened with that car and how they stopped. The cops from coming after them. Um, but it just begins that process of the 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 insertion of the supernatural and the insurgent of, of that sci-fi aspect.
0: Mm-hmm. And so they go to Marvin's house and meet up with him so he can tell them, you know, about the rest of the journey that they're going to have to go on, which is another part of the hero's journey. You know, you get to your wise person who guides <laughs> you on the way. And so he guides them on the way. We learn some more that Letitia basically just don't get along with nobody in her family at this point. Because they're arguing, 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 going at it. And you hear them arguing about it's the same thing. Like Letitia was being an activist. Uh, He'd send her money. You know, she's he's wondering where the money went. She says she had to bail some people out. He's mad about the mom, all that type of stuff. So from there, you know, she bounces with them instead of staying with Marvin. And everybody is on the road together when they run into good old Sheriff Hunt.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh
0: my god. And that's another change from the book cuz in the book we hear the story of Sheriff mm-hmm. Hunt. Yeah. And you know, it being done to someone else. And that's just a great change cuz you don't want such a amazing scene, you know, being told as a story. You want it happening to your main character. So that's just, you know, why not. Like so Sheriff Hunt decides to escort them out of town, out of town very kindly. You know, showed them the way out of town no problem. You know, he's a good um- helpful man.
2: But do we want to talk about how this, like how <laughs> Sheriff Hunt came up? Like, cause they weren't even, they were trying, they got lost because yep. Marvin had told them that there was some kind of like backwoods way to get to the place or their destination of Artem. Uh-huh. And he said that there's like, he like the sense for as far as he can tell, the census tract said something about there being like a small path somewhere a in a bridge Yeah, and they had to find it. And so they're rolling around the woods, been rolling around the woods for hours, you hear them say, and they couldn't find it. And so they get frustrated. Atticus pulls off the road. Um, and wouldn't you know, Atticus pulls off the road, that's, something, that's when a cop wants to come over and mm-hmm. see how they're doing. Yep. You know, wellness check, if you would.
0: I <laughs> mean, you know, he's just trying to help out, you know, protect and serve. Sheriff Hunt is just doing his good job as a good mm-hmm. Christian man to help these, you know, Negroes on their way out of town. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and of course, this is, this is where we get, we start realizing why this show or this episode is titled Sundown. Mm. Um, uh, he explains it to them. He's like, he even explained it very helpfully <laughs> Eloquently. To, to our main characters <laughs> and also to the audience, especially yes. those who, who haven't learned about this. So, you know, the, the aspect of a sunset or sundown town. Um, being you know, a, a, a white town where through violence or coercion or other means that after a certain time, like wh- Black people better not be seen in that town. Or don't maybe, let the
2: sun set on you.
1: Don't let the sun set on you. You may not make it out. Well, you're not going to make it out, as, as we, we often read and say. It'll be
2: your but, final destination.
0: Which is also wild because that goes to show you the level of racism in this country is the reason why it was a sundown town is so that the Black people could come there and work during the day. Mm-hmm. you know, and serve the white people. And then by sunset, y'all better get the fuck out of here, back to y'all suburbs, wherever y'all come from, and then come back again tomorrow. Wild.
2: They'll always accept black labor, especially mm-hmm. if it's free black labor, if they can yeah. try to rig that up. And, but you also know, as happen.
1: if Black people are vampires and mm. switch up and become Bill Compton when the sun goes down. It's just like, oh they gonna come, you know, they gonna come loot shooting and, and killing like suk it,
3: you
1: know. Like, send your, like every day we we rescind our invitation. Like, okay, bro, like really <laughs>
0: you send our invitation. Oh shit, you gotta see Lost Boys. I, um but yeah, we're gonna get into that because we do reference it. But um so Hunt is escorting them out of town kindly, you
3: know, everything. You know, no, showing gonna, them the okay, way. But
0: also we gotta
2: we gotta raise the stakes here. He tells yes. them that the sun but like they can't let the sun shine in them, sun sets in seven minutes. Yep. If they oh. try to go south, that's too many minutes out. Mm-hmm. But if they try to go north, they might just
3: make. He's out so of town. helpful. I don't under, so helpful.
0: you know, he is so helpful. Don't you, you know, realize how he even guides their car as they get on the road, giving them a helpful <laughs> oh, push guide along. Is a nice
1: word for follow. Yes. No, um, no, I said he even
0: helps them with a nice push, you know, to stop. make sure they're right. up to speed. Mm.
1: Um, another scene which I thought was absolutely incredible because again the tension was palpable I was sitting with them like I had my hands on my imaginary dashboard <laughs> like I hope they make it so to Portia's point the, the cop is telling him like, yo you got seven minutes till sundown and there's really only one way you could go but there's a good chance you ain't gonna make it plus there is a speed limit and as Benami mentioned because the the, the cop is graciously guiding or or following behind and make sure nothing happens. Escorting you know, them, they can't speed.
0: Yeah. So he wants to make sure they pay attention to the rules of the road.
1: Oh man! So so <laughs> like like you're you're literally in a rock between a rock and a hard place. You're trying to obey the ridiculous rules at the same time. This is a setup, a, a complete setup. And, and they you are, know
2: you're going to a setup. You know they, it. And,
1: and you your death is imminent. Yes. That's what made this scene so tough, um, tough. When I say tough, I mean that like 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 fire, because it was the, the, that aspect of imminent bodily harm
3: mm-hmm.
1: that was always that specter and that, you know, the, the specter. If we talk about racism, white supremacy, all that. Literally, that specter was chasing them down the road at 30 yep. miles an hour or whatever the speed limit was.
0: And then I loved it, too, because you have that moment of relief, even though the audience knows that ain't happening. because they get away? You're like, oh, we made it. You know, Sheriff Hunt stops. And then once again, the direction is so beautiful because you have the camera pull over the car like an overhead shot as the car is driving to reveal. Yep, mo cops. Roadblock. Mm-hmm. They drag him off the road, take him into the uh, river. You know, <laughs> headed for it was, the river. It's a
1: trap. Yeah, it's <laughs> like a what trap. What the general say? It's, it's a tra- It's a trap. He's a trap.
0: And so they, um, take him off. Sheriff hunts down with it, you know, obviously. And this is what I was talking about. Like, when, you know, as the show in this episode demonstrates, it's tough for black people to ever escape racism. Like, that shit is omnipresent. Like, it's on your ass. You know, white on rice, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we can even fight against the supernatural. But the racism has us, you know, they are laid down in the dirt. Shotguns to the back of the head. They it's
2: know they're not, not going to make good. it. Yeah, like I, I love like whenever they are. As soon as they are totally to out of the car, they already know they're they're not. they're not yeah, going to right. live from this interaction. They're not going to make yeah. it. No. And even though the cops are trying to. Framed them for being uh, responsible for some local robberies or something. Yeah. And they're like, and the cops like, oh, I know you're going to tell me that you don't know nothing about it. And you don't know nothing about the other robbery that went down two nights ago. Like, they're like, we're not we you can see in their faces that yeah. like they, uh, they each of them knows. Like, there's no way any of us is going to make it through this uh, encounter alive. Because yeah. it's five um, sh- a sheriff, their deputies, all with shotguns to take down three little black people. Who were driving in a car? No weapons on them.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think w- the the other part of this, this whole sequence, I've realized is that you're you're literally seeing the personifications of all of the different aspects of racism, systematic or, or particularly systematic racism. You're seeing profiling happen. You see, like I mentioned earlier, you see the gentrification. You're seeing um, uh, uh, the, 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 justice system, if you will, and how it goes just against black people and how it, you don't have, like, even if you try to follow rules or, or trust in the system, it works against you.
2: The system um, is not, I think it's like, but also it wasn't like, it was like profiling. Was, they were just putting an excuse on them to have them like, okay, like, this mm-hmm. is why we're going to kill you. Like if people, if no one's going to ask why we killed black folk, but if they happen to well, tell yeah. them, because you grew out of people. That's yeah. that's what you are. You're, you're thieves. And, just so
0: you know. And have, That's just torture, you know? And that's all that is. They just were just torturing them before they shot them in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we have the introduction of the Sogoth, who are a monster from Lovecraftian uh, lore. They are said to be created by the elder gods, such as Cthulhu itself. And they serve them. And they're pretty much dumb gelatinous beasts that are covered in eyes
1: now didn't was it hippolyta or was it uncle the uncle that mentioned these gelatinous beasts earlier in atticus the mentions it atticus. them Or was it atticus okay, yeah it
0: atticus. when they when they're when hunt shows up they hear something in the woods because the sun is going down at this point so they heard something in the woods and he's like oh it's the sawgoth and she mm. was what? And he's like, oh, you know, monster with all these eyes. Did, but did, also,
2: did. but even before that, whenever they were um, still in the sh- in the Safe Travelers um, agency or whatever, yep. and like they were looking yeah. through the Atlas book. That's what I remember. Whatever. Yeah, that's when they talked about it.
0: Mm. So mm. it kept coming up. So these uh, monsters, beasts, whatever, attack, uh, start mowing through the cops. Um, Atticus, Letitia, get up, run off. George is still left there, but oh. smartly. Yep.
2: I love the I love the foreshadowing of George saying like, "Oh, I got a bad knee" earlier in the episode, and mm-hmm. then when he tries to hop up, he's like, "Oh, my bad knee." and I was like, I was just laughing. Because I was like, "Oh no, oh, I got that pain too, my bad
0: yeah. knee." <laughs> oh, I got one too. So yeah,
1: and I think it's important to, uh, particularly for people who, for, for, and I know that people are also listening to this who are not with the shits when it comes to horror, so are looking yes. to us for the recap. Showgirls, at, at least as they're shown in this show, um, they. They are how do I explain this? They are gr- gross. Yes. They are these big white four legged creatures, just uh I don't know if you if you read comic books, if you look at abomination, that character it has it has these grotesque growths on it. It's white, mm-hmm. and as Benjamin said, it's just covered in eyes. It's like the yeah. so, picture of like skin, it looks
2: like it looks like yeah. a like just skin with
0: like yeah, gross- and. and and it looked if, like a no, bit sharp to me with no fins big, and feet. Big,
1: you you know, like f- fangs or or sharp things. The point is, it's it's grotesque and it's and it's absolutely horrifying.
0: I didn't. I actually found this scene and the Shoggoths attacking not as much horrifying as like a B movie horror because it 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 started like having like the jokes. I mean, it was like it was horror and it was jokes at the same time because mm-hmm. like the shoggoth Jumps up and bites one cop's head completely off, you know, and it's just oh, like, yeah. and then and, 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 and it's very like, ah! and it's
1: very graphic, right? <laughs> but, it's very graphic with blood spewing, but and all it's other and funny
0: stuff. at the same time because yeah. they're like ah, and then they run off into this little house. Mm-hmm. Hunt, um, and another sheriff or another cop followed him, and their hunt's been bit the fuck up. Um, George finally makes it into the house as well. He has a flashlight on him. And Hunt being bit the fuck up. I love this scene. Like, once again, the writing in this episode is just so tight, right? Because Letitia and Atticus argue about who should go running for the car. And Letitia says, It's all this little stuff that we didn't see. Like, she's like, I know you can see. You said you can see at night without your glasses, but now is not the time to test it. I'm a trap star from high school. I'm out. You know, and then one of the other best lines in it when she's like, How are you not scared? And he says, Fears ain't going to save us right now. Mm-hmm. You are.
2: But at the same time, it was like they couldn't, (laughs) but the the racism of it all of like, they couldn't even decide amongst themselves who could go out because the white man Mm -hmm. decided he wanted to keep being in power, even under this deathly situation.
3: And he didn't trust
2: how smart Atticus was. So he wanted to send the woman outside because he feels like Atticus is just too, he's too uppity, too smart of a Negro.
1: (laughs) And that's what I'm saying. It was no trust, period. And that's really what it was. He thought, he don't like the fact that he's so uppity. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. Yep. So Letitia goes running. The other two are left behind with Hunt, who's bit up and begins transforming into a golf. Shagoff. And uh, it's grotesque. Now that was grotesque, like, yeah. oh, that whole scene. But once again, the comedy was so great because Atticus and George are every black person in every horror movie ever. Shoot this motherfucker! You need I was to shoot this. Motherfucker. The same
1: thing. I was like, we, I, when they were watching it happen. I'm like, why y'all watching? Shoot! Get, like I was screaming at the screen. It
2: reminded me of like Walking Dead and um, Thor, like in um, Infinity Wars or whatever. It's like.
3: Yeah.
1: Aim for the head. Aim yeah. for the head. Like, yeah. Right? It's like, what are you doing? Headshot, oh. headshot. A, maybe too many. I, I've been playing too many games. Biocaped game in my life. And I'm just like, bro, it's right there.
0: That, that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of like a Sam Raimi horror flick, like his Evil Dead or his other one from hell, where it's like completely horrifying, but then it's also just hilarious at the same time. Because It's like, shoot this motherfucker. And then he doesn't shoot him. He turns into him. Yeah, he turns into the shark off, you know, eats up his mans. Of course. Atticus, Atticus grabs the gun, shoots him, but that's not stopping him. But God for, you know, thank God for Letitia comes back through. And that's another, I think, I'm pretty sure that was another little shout out to Lost Boys because Lost Boys vampire film, obviously. And there's a crucial scene in that involving the same type of thing car coming through, smashing through up the vampire. Mm-hmm. Shark off down, but not out though.
1: No. And no. it was at some point between her running out, like when they were talking about what to do and running out, where they realized, and this is thank you to the, the sci- science fiction club they were part of, mm-hmm. that they realized, that they kind of thought about the different stories they've read and said, wait a minute, maybe these things are adverse to light. Yep. And um, yeah, I like that, like, whenever
2: they finally get in the car and, like, so they, they pan out to see, like, so they're safe. Like, Atticus, George, and Latisha are all safe in the car. But surrounding the be- where the light beams go out, it's just offs just sitting on yes. the boundary. And it was like, I think it was a good, like, I think it's the always the storyline and like the theme that we see throughout so many stories, sci-fi, fantasy, freaking regular literary, whatever. Like light always keeps out darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, and for them, it was only dark, like light keeps out darkness to a certain extent, to a certain boundary. And then mm-hmm. we hear this whistle. And suddenly the shotgun's disappear. Mm hmm. Literally like a dog whistle
3: and yep. they
1: bounce. And I said, oh, God, here we go.
0: Yeah. Who is in charge of
1: these motherfuckers?
0: Another question. Another question there. And that is something because this type of this whole off scene and everything isn't, you know, from the book. So this is like all the whistling. All this is all new. And I love the whole that even the shot of like you were saying, Portia, like of them lighting the flares and keeping them off. And then you know you think okay well they got them but then the camera pulls back and there's one on top of the roof that ain't gonna be got by them flares and that shit was about to jump down and eat them until that whistle goes off so yeah just you know fucking the direct thing everything writing in this episode just so on point um and that brings us to the finale of it right yes
1: so the whistle we they so express- why you torque. <laughs> the whistle while you twerk came from a familiar source or a source that we ran into earlier in the episode.
0: You think? You think it was the same?
1: I mean, that's the next face we generally see after. True
0: indeed. Yep. Well, I mean, um, we'll see what happens, you know.
1: Apparently they got saved once more by the mysterious figure in that silver Daimler uh mm. from that saved them earlier. Mhm. Um and I, again, I, I wanna also just make sure before we get out of here, I just wanna make sure I mention the fact about the costuming of mm. the entire. I mean, the, the, I know the series is gonna be fire, but just mm-hmm. this entire episode, and even the costuming, like, depending on what was happening in the scene. So, the whole Shogun scene where all this stuff is happening, even though it was comical, Ben, and I agree, it was some of the blood, blood, oh and stuff. Like, the fact that they're just <laughs> drenched in blood completely, yeah. and it just progressively just gets yeah. more <laughs> and more dirtied. Yeah, more red and all this stuff. Um, to the point, And then to the point where the characters are just, you can't even tell, like, you can't even see their skin. Mm-hmm. It's just all blood. So yep. um, whether or not that was representative or something doesn't really matter. But, uh, you know, I thought that was just interesting how they did that. And yep. um, also, I just want to make the point of uh, thank you, Letitia, to your commitment to fashion. Consistently, Regardless of what's going on. <laughs> Honey is giving looks every time. When she walked to a diner, she was like, "I already know these white people can't take, and I don't give a crap.
2: I'm gonna wear (laughs) this crap top, I'm gonna wear these high waisted shorts, and I'm gonna be having this red lipstick, and I'm gonna be cute. And -hmm. they're gonna not gonna take. They they can't take me being black anyway, so I might as well be fire. Like I Mm -hmm. may as well be all of it. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes, and how? And so they roll up on the house, which, you know, mad people who've read the book know the house. You know, they are looking dusted and distrusted. And it's like they're walking. They, you know, the cars broke down now. And then they just come upon the house like it's faded. They walk up ready to knock. And before they can even knock, the door opens. Classic horror. Yeah, classic horror. White dude, you know, even more classic horror. Blonde haired, blue eyed, standing there looking pretty and happy, just
1: everything's First great. First of all, a man look like Michael Fassbender in fucking mm. X-Men. Like, I was yes, like, young Michael like, Fassbender. He, he's creepily well-groomed.
0: Mm-hmm. And says, we've been expecting you, Mr. Freeman.
2: And can Boom. we talk about the fact that they had to walk up to this house? Like, their car is in shambles. They cannot yes. drive that car. It is left in the woods. There's no taking a So They've walked from however miles it was to mm-hmm. in the woods to find a path to get over there to this house. So it's daytime. Yep. It's nice and sp- it's a bright sunny day, mm-hmm. and this is what they run into, and and he's just
0: he's ready for them, ready for them,
1: and and isn't that typical? Like you go through some shit, or there's oh there's like a a hurricane, a tornado, or whatever, some wild ass storm, and then the next day it's like nothing happens, sunshine, birds chirping, hmm. everything's good, Beautiful.
0: or is it? And so we've come to the end of the episode, and, you know, the one last thing we want to talk about here before we get out of here on the Safe Negro Podcast show is that, you know, this show is about redefining H.P. Lovecraft and Cthulhu, and that's something that we always are about on, you know, our mother show, For All Nerds, where we Mm -hmm. talk about redefining comic books, film, TV characters, and everything, and does that really work? And I've been
1: reclaiming a lot of reclaiming, you know,
0: changing, you know, characters that were created in times of extreme racism to a little bit less racism. So now we can have, you know, what people call blackwashing or whatever, you know, where they change a character's race from one to the other. And I put up the quotes for those who don't see me. But, (laughs) you know, it's something like we talk about a lot on the show because like one prominent example is something like Nick Fury, where now if you Google Nick Fury, you're gonna get Samuel Jackson in the story. You have
1: never known David Hasselhoff, at least from a live action perspective. Yeah, or in What's the comics
0: dude? that he used to look like Tom Selleck. You never would know that. <laughs> Yo, I was reading old Iron Man from the 80s, and the Tom Selleck impersonation is so amazing and it's like so funny because now when you read him, it's like Robert Downey Jr., you know, but it's like at the time they were definitely aiming for Tom Selleck as uh play Tony Stark. Never happened. But Yeah, so it's like we reclaim these things. And to me, I'm like, yes, let's do it. And within probably, like right now, if you still type in H.P. Lovecraft, you're going to get, you know, this racist probably do. But probably within a year, when you start typing in Lovecraft, country is going to fill in. Less. Less.
1: Like right now, I'm on Google right now. I type in Lovecraft. Should I just type in Lovecraft or Lovecraft country? Just Lovecraft. Yeah. Let's type in Lovecraft. The very first thing is H.P. Lovecraft. The next thing, you start seeing news articles about Lovecraft country.
0: Boom. There you go. So, like, to me, I love it, you know, because this is how you should do it. Like, you should take, examine this racist stuff, you know, flip it, do better with it. Even something like we saw earlier this year with Watchmen, which is a classic comic book. It doesn't deal with race or anything at all, and it's set in America, so how can it do that, right? It Mm -hmm. might have one mention of race in, like, a 12-issue comic book. Well,
2: I mean, it's easy to not mention race in America when you don't believe that race is, it. like, when you're colorblind, when you think <laughs> that there's no reason to acknowledge race. Like, yeah. race doesn't acknowledge you in your life, so it uh, doesn't uh, acknowledge uh, anybody.
0: I mean, it acknowledges you in your life. It's just, you, you know, just, always you for just your just benefit. don't recognize it. Yeah, it's always, it's always helping you out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, don't
2: you don't recognize how your race helps you. You don't see it.
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, it's it's, it's it's all good for you. Your
2: experience is different if you if you don't look like me? How? <laughs> in what ways? Not in, your, not in the, like, very, like, caricature ways of, like, you just being an extra loud, sassy black lady? Not in that <laughs> way? Like,
1: there's other <laughs> ways?
0: I mean, I know you can dance and I can't, you know. I'm sure you can play basketball.
1: <laughs> Come on, Jamal. You don't want to play hoops?
0: <laughs> Come on, I'm picking you first. <laughs>
2: you're, so, you're so big. You're so big and black. Can't you just, like, tackle everybody? Because you're just big and black? Everybody can go down. Just mom
3: down. Oh god!
0: Do you wash
1: your hair? How do you want make your hair rock up like that?
2: Oh what do you my god! You? Did you you change your hair color like every week? How does that happen? Oh my gosh!
0: It went from short to long in a day. <laughs> 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 I oh, crash! Oh, yes, folks. Uh, we have reached the end of our first <laughs> inaugural <laughs> episode. <laughs> Um, uh, we told
1: you guys we were safe. Yeah. <laughs> safe
2: me, girls. I want to make this one point about Lovecraft because it mm-hmm. ties in with our other podcast, Castle Black. Yep. Um, again, F Lovecraft. Um, so I don't know how much y'all heard about this, but Worldcon, which is like this like big sci-fi fantasy um, awards thing that happens every year. Um, this year they had it online because COVID mm-hmm. and they had George R.R. R. Martin be the, like, host oh, or yes. whatever. The MC. oh yeah yeah the MC. and um last year they got called out pretty well or whatever about like uplifting these like problematic uh white men i think there used to be a lovecraft Award. they renamed it there recently. used to be a,
1: f- a few years ago yeah. yeah 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 i know dj older was what's involved in the group to get that
2: changed. yeah and then there was another writer who they got out of here last year i think that had an award after him and so here comes george <laughs> When you know he just comes in and he has oh. to get these long dialogues and this um video li-
1: a live journal dialogue okay
2: about how we should be better about like recognizing what Lovecraft gave us and this other problematic white man and like we should look for like the character not so much their problems like you're you, of course you're gonna find problems but if you should think about all the contributions they made okay um And it's very, like, it's, I think, I think a lot about how people keep uplifting people that they know are are not just problematic, like literally racist and sexist and all the other is or whatever. Um, And they uplift them because if they were to actually have to live with the problems that the people are, like how awful those people are, they'd have to reflect on how they've, uh, how they've done and um, built on that as well. So George R. R. Martin, um, if you look at the world book for the Song of Ice and Fire, he made, like, people keep talking about how he put a lot of Lovecraft in his stories for a Song of Ice and Fire. In the world book, you can see in how he has the layout of the world, he has like Asian-esque cultures and Latinx cultures and mm. uh, Black cultures, and they're very subjugated and they're very, like, caricatures, and some of the creatures that he names in the world book are very much, like, Lovecraftian racist trends
0: wow. of people. Wow. So, huh, I guess it's good that we ain't doing no more Castle Black right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, and instead, and instead of just, like, like owning and just, like, recognizing, like, okay, yeah, like, this is why I should, I, I effed up by mm-hmm. naming these people. And even after the backlash from all the people who talked uh, about what, how he did was wrong for the Worldcon thing, he just mm-hmm. kind of doubled down, and then it was kind of like, what is there to apologize if people are taking me wrong?
0: This ninja can't even apologize for never finishing his books. You think he worried about being racist? Like, it ain't happening.
1: I'm working on some pages, guys. Like, when he said that, I said, okay, bro, go sit down. He
0: told,
2: he told, uh, I think he wrote it, like, on Twitter or something. He's like, if Mm -hmm. I go to Worldcon without having the book ready, then y'all can uh, stifle me at home. Like, boy.
0: Yeah, but then it happened that he didn't actually go to Worldcon, so. Want, want, whatever. Want, want. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Lovecraft Country will air every Sunday on HBO and we will be here every Monday morning to recap it for you to talk about it. Um, make sure you're following all of us on the social medias. I'm at DJ Ben Amin. Y'all are
1: at Tatiana King and I'm at uh, poor underscore she underscore or uh. Of course. I saw that the new name. <laughs> yes. All right. And, and and to be very clear, this podcast is, is presented by 4 All nerds. Mm-hmm. So the way you get this podcast is by subscribing to 40 nerds. And we are on basically every podcast platform. So you can subscribe there, Spotify, Apple Play, excuse me, Apple Music, Google Play or Google Podcasts now. Um, generally anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, um, we will be there as well. Uh, And again, as Ben Amin said, this is going to be a weekly thing through the duration of Lovecraft Country HBO. I believe it's eight episodes as far as we know. Mm -hmm. So you'll be seeing us for, for quite some time. Safe Negroes.